thanks to our sponsor, Avpoint. If you like the cloud show, you will love the Shift Happens podcast with Microsoft MVP and Regional Director Dux Raymond Sai. Each week, Dux talks with one of the industry's brightest stars about their most challenging modern workplace or digital transformation projects. He uncovers the players, organizational hurdles, and last-minute surprises that inevitably arise when ambitious people try to impact their workplace. Season 1 features FedEx, Wells Fargo, Heathrow Airport, United Airlines, and other industry leaders. Go to www.avpoint.com forward slash blog forward slash shift happens or search for the hashtag shift happens. That's one word, hashtag shift happens, wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 393. Today, AC and I are going to catch up on a bunch of Microsoft news recorded live 21st of January, 2020. This episode is brought to you by ShareGate. You probably didn't get into cloud engineering to spend hours manually sifting through layers of data or manually creating reports to understand and explain your Azure costs. Neither did the IT pros at ShareGate, which is why they built ShareGate Overcast. ShareGate Overcast is an Azure cost intelligence tool that reduces manual monitoring and helps you make cost-efficient engineering decisions, and it can help you lower your Azure bill. ShareGate Overcast scans your Azure environment daily and analyzes your cost data. It automatically identifies cost issues and gives you the insights you need to fix problems fast. Plus, with personalized cost-saving recommendations, you can be sure you're only paying for the resources you need. Best of all, you can get ShareGate Overcast for free. Find out more at sharegate.com forward slash cloud show. Back to the show. Good morning, AC. Uh, good morning, but it's 2021. Oh, I don't want to do 2020 again, dude. Yeah, you're I don't right. want to do that again. Whoops. <laughs> 2021. There you go. Uh, Thanks for the correction. Yeah, no problem. It just rolls off the tongue still, even a month later. It does. (laughs) I always make that mistake. I always keep doing that, like signing stuff or whatever. I sent a W-9 to somebody who needed it for business, and I had signed it. twenty. I took the the 2020 W-9 for the company, deleted my signature, deleted the date, re-signed it, and then re-signed the 2021 version with 2020 again. (laughs) Sent it back, and they're like, this is the same one you sent last time. I'm like, it's not, but I screwed up. So let me do this a third time. I sincerely hope I'm not right and that we have another year to wait. <laughs> uh, I hope you're not right, but I am I will believe it when I see it. Yeah, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. So how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty relieved, I suppose, that yesterday went kind of without hitch from what I saw. There wasn't some sort of crazy uh, violence or anything bad that happened from what I saw with the or the inauguration and things like that. So that was a big relief. I thought it was a good day. It seemed to, for a crazy year, with so many strange things going on in the world regarding the pandemic and things like that, mm-hmm. I thought yesterday was a breath of fresh air and was kind of, I felt quite upbeat and optimistic. I didn't realize how much like I had been mentally kind of like holding on yeah, and just feeling like I was on the edge. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Oh my God, what's going to happen next? And, you know, whether you like him or hate him, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, you never really knew what was going to come out of his mouth or what he was going to do next. And I mean, in one way he was very predictable. In one way he was not predictable at all. I realized at the end of the day yesterday, it was like, oh my God, I don't feel like, I don't have this like 
nagging urge to go check the news, like going, oh my God, what the hell happened now? What disasters happened today? Yeah, exactly. Setting that aside, I mean, yesterday was really, yesterday watching the events, watching the ceremony, watching a lot of the speeches, it was really good. And it was just made me feel like, it it was reassuring. It was uh, made me feel much more in a positive kind of outlook. And then, my God, the thing that CNN aired last night for two hours. Yeah. If the NFL has got to ditch what they normally do for the Super Bowl and just go to <laughs> CNN going like, you, can you guys put on the, the, the halftime show? I mean, we'd like to have Shakira back too. But what they did was, that was so well done last night. Yeah, I was watching quite quite a lot of it. I actually didn't realize that it was CNN that had put it on. I don't know if it was. I, I don't see. know. I don't know who put it on. I don't know if that was the that was the responsibility of the inauguration people or what. But I think that CNN was the only one that was showing it. Well, oh, I really? don't know that for a fact. CNN's the only one that I had heard was airing it. I could be completely off base. It could have been on every single news channel, but I guess I was on. Yeah, I just assumed everybody was showing the same thing, but I was watching it streaming on CNN. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought, given this, they couldn't do the, the sort of the standard stuff around, you know, the various activities post inauguration that would have happened in person and things like that. That it was, that it was done very well, and I loved all of the flags on the mall. I thought that was a really nice uh, tribute to all the people that had died in the pandemic and things like that. So yeah, given the strange year, I thought it was actually it, it actually came off pretty good, pretty well. I like the fact that this time, that the way the celebration was handled. All of those inauguration balls and all that stuff that, that goes on. And I mean, you heard stories of previous presidents going to like, how many go to like five, different, yeah. seven, 20, uh, 10 balls that night. You get to see pictures of it, but you don't really get to see any live video for it. And what was kind of cool right. about last night is it kind of felt like we were all celebrating in that. And at the same time, we were all able to be involved in it. And thanks to like, social media and Twitter and Facebook or whatever, you were able to kind of share with that from with people that you weren't with. Like it was just my family that was there, but yeah, my eleven-year-old daughter had her laptop out and she was doing some stuff, and she started seeing this stuff coming up. And as it was going on, she just closed her laptop, took out her earbuds, and she just started watching it with us. Yeah, my, that's cool. My fifteen-year-old, well, it was hard to get him to pay attention to anything, but he, you know, came out, and looked at a couple different things. It was funny because some of the artists would come out like. Do you know who this is? And they're like going, no, like that's John Bon Jovi. Like, do you know who this is? Like going, have you ever heard of Bruce Springsteen? Like, yeah. Born in the USA, and he's singing. He goes, "Yeah, this isn't Bruce Springsteen. He's not. As, he's not as like you know, rip roar." And I'm like, "That's because he's 71." <laughs> and then, and then the, they flip over, and it's like going, "Who is this?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's Aunt Clemens." I'm like, <sighs> looked over at my wife. I'm like, "Now I'm feeling old." Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple that I had no no idea who they were, and I was like, "Huh, must be new." But let's not forget the star of the show yesterday was Bernie's mittens. Oh my God. That is why the, that's why Bernie, exactly what, those memes is exactly why the internet exists. There were more texts. You and I have not texted as much as we did last night. For a while, And texting just pictures of each other and laughing. It was all we were doing, for those of you who are listening, CJ and I have this text thread that we were just sending images back and forth. And it was all it was filled with LOL, ha 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 ha. L-M-F-A-O, or reactions of like love or laughing or whatever to each one of the pictures that we're posting. That was, that was awesome. (laughs) I love moments like that on the internet where there's people that are way more creative than I am that come up with these things and put them out there and everybody just piles on and they are just hilarious. So if you haven't seen them, go search Twitter for Bernie's Mittens and the images 
of Bernie Sanders sitting at the inauguration with what looks like home-knitted mittens on. You know, he just doesn't give two Fs, you know. He's just out there. You know, love him or hate him for his politics. It was pretty funny. And then people have superimposed him sitting in his seat with his mittens all curled up (laughs) in the cold Washington weather into strange and funny circumstances like sitting in the back seat in the Millennium Falcon, for example, or, you know, sitting on the iron bar above New York during construction of the Empire State Building or something like that. You know, just really funny situations. Just sitting at the end of the hallway of uh, The Shining with the girls on the bike and or the boys on the bike. It was, it was... Yeah, exactly, yeah. It was so... Every time you turn around, there was like there was a lot of bad ones, but then there was a lot of good ones. And I started, I started sharing it with uh, one friend, uh, our friend Rob Foster, and he's like, oh my God, there's a whole te- there's a whole thread going on Facebook about this. And he sent me one and there was this dude that had just, he had, ac- he had accumulated over like 60 some out of these pictures. I'm just scrolling through this like, oh my God, these are great. And as fast as you were sending them to me, I'm like, no, no, I just got to send these back to you. And finally it dawned on me, I'm like, why don't I just send CJ the link? Yeah. <laughs> I never sent him. Yeah, Bernie's Mittens seemed to steal the Twitter show yesterday. That was That was pretty funny. It's just him sitting there. My wife sent me one of those pictures this morning and it had a caption on it. It was like introverted, but I'm really, I'm really making an effort. But it was not him superimposed anywhere. It was just him sitting in the stands by himself, like kind of curled up, like just a yeah. begrudging old old man. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like, Bernie, I never thought I would say this, but you are my spirit animal now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overall, I am I came away more optimistic and positive from yesterday than I have been in quite some time. And not just because of the inauguration and things, but mostly just because of, you know, you finish a book and you close it and you're like, cool, that chapter is done. Like, I hope. And you're looking forward to the next chapter, right? There's something to look forward to. And not necessarily, for a lot of people at least, not because of the people who are involved, right? But because it's sort of the end of an era, regardless of who it was, right? It's, you know, it's, and there is a, a fresh administration in the U.S., regardless of whether you like them or not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a bunch going on, and and uh, so I'm quite optimistic about that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna break my own rule, and I know people don't tune into this show for our political beliefs and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, I'm happy with the way things turned out. I'll leave it as that. But one of the things I really enjoyed, which is kind of like what you just said, is you know when you see a CEO leave, like when when Balmer left and Sacha took over. Microsoft. It was not so much a thank God Balmer's gone. It was more or less like, okay, now let's see what you're going to do with this. Now let's see where you're going to take this. Like what, you're a different person. You're a different background. Where are you going to go with this? There were a lot of people that took a big sigh of relief when Balmer left though. And I'm sure there were, but I mean, it's like, I didn't know, I didn't know enough about Satya. I knew yeah. enough where I was like going, this could really be a good thing for Microsoft. And I was kind of looking at the same way yesterday where I was like, okay, you know what? Love or hate the last guy that was the president of the United States. Love or hate the current guy that's now the president of the United States. The one thing that I think that you get, that that nobody can really disagree with is that prior to the former president Trump administration, that government was run a certain way, the White House was run a certain way, even like down to something as simple as like the press briefings were done a certain way, and then they were all done one way before Trump. Under Trump, they were done one way. That. Some people love, some people hated, but then you go back and now you look at the way the current administration, the Biden administration is going. And just under the first press conference yesterday, you see 
this is kind of how it used to be. And seeing like there was an attention to detail that like I didn't know the first, like traditionally what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to the AP reporters, the first person you call on in that. And then what is the last, what, and how do you know that the press conference is over? It's when the AP reporter kind of signals to the press, con- to the, the press secretary and say, we've gone on long enough. And apparently that's what happened yesterday. And it's like, you know, kind of going back to norms, there's something that's a little bit refreshing about that. And that's the part that is kind of like, all right, now, you know what? You've got the keys. Let's see what you're going to do with this. What's going to be different about this? That's the part that I'm looking forward to. I'm with you on that. And like before the show, we were talking a little bit about this and it's like, there just seems to be this cognitive load that is lifted for many people at least as well. Mm-hmm. I'm personally looking forward to that. I'm personally looking forward to not waking up going, what's the disaster this morning, you know? Yeah. And that sort of thing. So I don't get me wrong. He's going to make lots of missteps and people are going to hold him accountable to it, hopefully. So that's politics though. And it's going to be messy, <laughs> but hopefully just not a burning dumpster fire. <laughs> I woke up feeling a bit hungover. It definitely wasn't from the booze though, because it's still dry January. One of the worst decisions I've ever made was making January 2021. A dry January, yeah, what? A dry January for me. It's the first time I've ever done it. That was the... Learn from your mistakes, man. February is way better. Oh my God. Well, the problem that I'm having right now with it, thankfully the kids don't listen to this, but thankfully the problem problem I'm having with it, it's not that I'm really dying for a drink. It's not like I don't have that urge to have it, but I would like, especially after the night of the 6th, like, I would have liked to have had a nice scotch. Yeah. I would have liked to have something like going, come on, something take the edge off because there's a lot of edge here. And like last night, like going, you know what? It'd just be nice to have a drink just, just watching chill. all this stuff. Yeah, totally. But I can't freaking do it because my kids know that we're doing this. And so my kids are like going, yeah, oh, dad couldn't make it the entire month. And I'm like, fuck. Can't be doing that. I want to tell my kids like going, hey, look, you guys need to go to bed early on February the 1st because daddy's going to have a fucking hangover on, <laughs> on February the 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch reruns of the inauguration and get hammered. <laughs> I'm going to get oh, my dear. own bottle. and uh, I'm going to get two of my own bottle because one of them's going to be gone on the first. <laughs> oh, dear. No, I'm kidding. Maybe not. But I'm, I like to think I'm kidding. So it has been a pretty slow news week for Microsoft. <laughs> There's been a few other things going on. Just for the cloud. <laughs> yeah. But... We've got some stuff to talk about. So how about we take a quick break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors and get back into the news. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy application experience for your customers? With Raygun application performance monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. With Raygun, monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify and resolve issues, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers, saving you time, money, and sanity. I've personally used Raygun and Hyperfish for the last four years to help me sleep better at night knowing the customers we've worked so hard to get are having a great experience. We use Raygun to alert engineers proactively so that we can be the ones to tell customers when we've fixed the problem instead of them calling us to say something's wrong. Raygun.com is my secret weapon in shipping high-quality code. Check it out at raygun.com and get up and running in minutes. This podcast is brought to you by Nintex. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, would you take it? Because our friends over at Nintex want to give you a gift. The gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you definitely should. 
The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities, and most recently, a new eSign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to sprint it however you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. And we're back. Okay, I see. Despite all the other stuff going on in the country and in the world with the pandemic, there is still a trickle of stuff going on in the world regarding cloud news and tech. Was there anything in particular you would like to kick us off with? I'm going to be honest, though. I had a hard time finding stuff. There were two big bits of news. One, I thought it was the biggest one. That we'll, I'll, I'm going to let you call it out since you're the one that put it in our show notes. But I found one that I can't really speak too much firsthand for. It. It's that Microsoft Lists, the Microsoft Lists app for iOS is now generally available. This was announced last year, I think at Ignite, the Microsoft Lists app, where it's like an app that's dedicated just for Microsoft Lists. And I admit I'm not the target audience for it because I haven't really understood like how this was needed or why this was needed. The fact now that it's it's a first-class app inside Microsoft Teams, it's also now generally available on iOS and um, yeah, so if this is something that you were that you've gotten a lot out of the Microsoft Lists app, that now there's an iOS mobile client that is now GA that you can go grab a hold of and get the same, I guess, on-the-go access to your list for all those times you're not on the go now with the pandemic and you're <laughs> isolating from home. You can you tick can... things off your lists from the couch with your phone. How about that? <laughs> you don't even have to be at your desk. You sit there and go to the restroom. You can now tick things off in your list. Got a vaccine? Oh, no, still not checked. Nope. Nope, not yet. Not quite so cloudy, but sort of, I found this quite interesting. There's a, This week, there was a, a leak of the Windows 10X builds onto the internet. And I don't know if you've heard of Windows 10X, but it's a new version of Windows that Microsoft are building that's codenamed Santorini, I believe. And it's basically a, uh, how do I describe this? It is a stripped back and modernized version of Windows. And so by that, what I mean is they're not dealing with all of the old back compat and support for Windows debt that's built up over years and years and years. It's based on a new set of work they've done in the Windows kernel and it's got a new UI. And I think the idea of it is like, cool, let's make a version of Windows that's going to be for the future that doesn't, isn't straddled with or saddled with the debt of the past. And so I don't know exactly what's in and out of it, but apparently a ton of old stuff's been stripped. You know how in Windows they've been making strides towards, well, maybe you don't, like a lot of the settings, menus and things like that are now sort of the new UI and stuff like that, but there's still all the old stuff around, not just in the UI, but all the APIs that still work from like the 90s and just all of that work they've done to ensure that apps still run with, in a backwards compatible way. That's taken its toll on Windows over the years. And that's why Windows is known for like bloat. You know, like it's over time, Windows gets slower and the bloat that it sort of, that you know, the load that apps put on it and the, and the sort of the debt that it builds up and slows it down and things like that. So they're trying to tackle some of those problems. And so Windows 10X is their answer to this. And so 
at least initially when it launches, you won't be able to use you know old Win32 apps that haven't been compiled for it, for example. Only uses new APIs. But they are planning on adding a sandbox app support mode so that you can run old apps in an app sandbox that do support all those old APIs. And so the idea is that you, you'll still have an option to go back to your old apps and they'll still run, but they'll kind of be like iOS apps in some ways, right? iOS sandboxes an app when it runs and it only has access to certain things. And when it's done, it's done and it gets to manage the running of that app in a more tight manner. So Windows 10X is apparently trying to do that. Anyway, long story short, they're trying to modernize Windows, right? And trying to unburden it with a lot of the decades of history and debt that it's built up. But anyway, a build this week leaked. And so there's a guy who's written a guide for installing Windows 10X on real hardware. And it's not for the faint of heart. You know, like it's, I mean, it's not super long, but it involves a bunch of commands and preparing your USB drives and flashing them and configuring your images and a whole bunch of stuff. But if you're interested in trying out Windows 10X on some old laptop or something you've got kicking around, then you can give it a nudge. I think it'll work on Intel hardware. I don't know about AMD hardware or anything like that, but I think it targets Windows Intel hardware first first up. Huh. You've got something that's been so it's used by so many people. It's got so much stuff that it's accumulated over time. I don't want to say cruft because I don't want to make it sound like it's negative stuff, but yeah. at some point I'd be curious to talk to somebody in the um that really understands like Mac OS development and to understand if that exists over on Mac OS. Because that's that's one of the things that, as primarily an Apple person, as the OS is updated, it doesn't feel like it's like it, it keeps bringing along baggage. I mean, I'm sure the APIs are still there, but it doesn't feel like the UX baggage kind of goes along the same way like with Windows, that it feels like it's always got to maintain support, do back compat support for stuff that people have done like customizations around or something like that. And so they don't want to, they want people to upgrade the latest version of Windows, but they don't want to abandon them or force them, give them a reason why they shouldn't do it because they don't want to be, I don't know, like held back or something by, by switching over. Yeah. I wonder if like that, if they deal with the same problem, but I see like the one screenshot that's in that that article and it, it def, you can see it, it is nice that they're kind of moving more in that more streamlined direction. It has much more of a feel of like, like an iPad yeah. UX, but again, it's one screenshot, so that's probably not fair to well, say. I think the theory is that they're trying to compete with Chrome OS. They're trying to make a Windows that will run on lower-powered hardware that's more guardrails, you know, better experience, things like that, and so and it's their answer to Chrome OS, basically, huh. at least initially. Okay. At least initially. But yeah, but it could, I mean, I imagine once they get it working on things like that, that maybe, yeah, maybe it would be more suitable for mobile devices as well. Speaking of the, you know, your Mac OS comment about how it doesn't seem to build up cruft. I wonder, this is just hypothesizing, right? Mac OS, I just looked it up, was introduced in 2001. So it's having its 20th birthday today. Some would say 20 years, geez, that's a really long time for a piece of software. But also remember they've had a number of, there's been a number of iterations during that time where they've where they've done things, right? They've phased stuff in and out. Windows, as we know it today, still supports APIs that were first introduced in the early 90s, mid-90s, really. Windows 95 was really the 
was really the start of Windows as we know it today, right? That was the sort of the, yeah, anyway. And it's got a bit of extra <laughs> legacy in there than OS X. And I just wonder if Mac have had these moments or Apple have had these moments where they've just gone, screw backwards compatibility, we just don't care. And they're kind of having another one right now with the M1 transition. And the previous one was the was PowerPC to Intel, right? And people, I don't know if you remember that time, but like people were furious, right? They would get their new Macs and none of their old apps would work. And Apple's answer was like, go talk to the app vendors, like get your favorite apps moved over. And they just went, screw it. We don't care about back compat. We, you know, sorry, the future's more important. Exactly. Yeah. But Microsoft have never done that. They've never had a moment of like, of screw the past. We're just going to, you know, sort of build for the future. And it's built up, and it's meant that it's it's been fantastic for them because your apps, you can still get an app that was compiled back in Windows 95 and it'll probably still run on Windows 10. Right. Another difference too is that if you think about it, the audience for Windows and the audience for Mac is, the sizes are very different. And enterprise apps, nobody has built, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but comparatively speaking, I'm just going to pull a number out and it's completely made up on the spot, but I think it's probably going to be right. Well, of course it is because it's coming out of my mouth. I don't think I'd be too off base to say that the majority of enterprise applications, like 90%, have probably have been built for Windows. They haven't been built for Mac. And so they don't have, yeah. Mac comes out with a new update that says, we're, you know, screw back, compact, we're moving forward. It's kind of like, well, are they, how many people are they really affecting? Whereas Windows says, ah, screw back, compact, we're moving forward. And it's kind of like going, no, you just effed over a ton of freaking customers. So... It's not an apples to apples kind of comparison that I made too, which is, I mean, thinking more about it, I probably should have, I probably should have thought more through that statement before I made it. No, it's interesting. I had no idea that Windows was doing this. I guess it also it may help too that like that Windows is doing it more on a faster cadence. But I mean, I've been for the time that I've been on Mac OS, it's every single September it's a new major update that you're gonna that you apply. Like they, you get a brand new update. It's announced in the summer, and it usually is available for GA install in September-ish time. So the updates are very incremental. It's kind of, you know, looking at like iOS. I mean, every time you update your phone or every time you update your your iPad, there's some new UI kind of concepts and there's some new technology that's added to your device, but it's not really that much of an upgrade. Like there's not too, it's, there's not a whole lot. Maybe it's just me, but I'll go upgrade my phone, you know, when the new version of iOS comes out. And everyone, I see everybody on, I see all these people online going crazy, but here are all the greatest new features. And I'm just like, I was really ramped up about waiting for this brand new like update. And I get it. And I'm like, there's not a whole lot here, which I like. I like it. Don't move my cheese too much. You can slide it off, you know, to the other side of the table, but don't put it on the counter over there. And just like, yeah, maybe I'm just getting old. You know what I just said about Mac OS being 20 years old? Parts of it are much older. So I was looking, I was like, oh yeah, they based a bunch of Mac OS on the next OS stuff that Steve Jobs was working on. That all That's came right. like what became OS X, OS X, whatever you want to call it, came from Next. Next based a lot of it on what was going on with BSD, the BSD kernel and things, mm-hmm. which was initially called Berkeley Unix. And that was started, its initial release was 1977. Holy, yes, it does go back. So it's possible there's parts of OS X, kernel at least, lines of code that were written in 1977. So, you know, maybe my theory about it's only 20 years old versus Windows, which has got a bit more 
six or seven more years on, in it. I don't know, it doesn't hold true. So what you're saying is the last 10 minutes, we just kind of made up a bunch of stuff and just... Well, it's just, good I was just hypothesizing. <laughs> I didn't say any of it was fact. I did it too. Yeah. Who knows? To be fair, if you're talking about Windows 10, you mentioned we brought up Apple and everything. And I know I've gone like gaga on the show a couple times about the M1. Probably fair to say, too, that people are starting to have some issues with Bluetooth and the M1. And there's another thing about something about a screensaver and like don't let your machine go to sleep or something like that. There's some apparently it's stuff that can get fixed. It's going to get fixed in an update in macOS or I don't know if it's a firmware thing that has to be done. But there are some people that are having some issues with the M1 that have started to creep up in the last, that I've seen in the last two or three weeks. So uh, some bugs. honestly, I'm surprised that it took that long. I'm surprised that that's all it is. Yeah, there'll be some kinks. They got to work out new hardware and all that. There were some other bits of news that happened this past week. One of them, and this one, I don't know. I don't know what the implications of this are all that much. Microsoft had a couple of people, big name people leave the company. One of them is Brad Anderson, which was a CVP at Microsoft. He had been there for 17 years, and he's switching over to a company called Qualtrics as the president of product and services. I don't know a ton about him. I mean, seen him you know, at conferences present, but I haven't, I haven't really felt like what he's done has been like that much of an impact on the, the world that I live in, in terms of Microsoft. Generally speaking, though, I always see this kind of stuff. Change is good, and new ideas, fresh ideas, I don't mean it as a negative thing, like I'm glad he's gone. It's just that, okay, opportunity, next man up or next woman up. He's been more on the sort of on the Windows and IT Pro side of Microsoft. And I haven't been all that involved in that side of things all that much. You know, it's, um, you know, system center and, and Windows and configuration manager and all that sort of stuff. I've, just, I just, I've personally never really dived into that or been that involved in that side of the house, right? That's sort of more of a more of an IT pro side of the house than I've been focused on. But, you know, I've seen him present at a bunch of conferences and talk about a bunch of things over the years. And and um, he seems pretty visible from that side of the house. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who who replaces him, who steps in and replaces him. There's also been another more high profile, I would say, more high profile person deciding to leave Microsoft this week. Uh, I'm sure it didn't happen just this week. But Julia White who's another corporate vice president at Microsoft, who currently runs, or she's also been at Microsoft for a really long time. She's almost been there 20 years. She's been running product marketing for the Azure team, developer tools, and server team for for the last five or so years, which is surprising because that's just flown by. But before that has been heavily involved in the office team, the office division, and things like that. So. Yeah, she's been sort of more instrumental in stuff that we've been involved with around SharePoint and Office 365, Microsoft 365 and things. She's also decided to leave and she's leaving to go to SAP as their chief marketing officer, I believe. This makes a lot more sense to me. Not a lot, that's not fair. Not a lot more sense than Brad because I just don't know more about what he's going to go and do and things. But this makes complete sense to me that Julia is going to do this. She's an absolute rock star at Microsoft. She's scaled the ranks fairly quickly, I would say. I mean, 20 years is not fairly quickly in that side of things, but, you know. And she's very ambitious. And uh, Microsoft has a very strong CMO right now with Chris Capicella, and it's unlikely he's going anywhere anytime soon. And so she's ready to stretch her wings and go be a CMO. So she's going to go and do that at SAP. So 
the right opportunity at the right time, obviously. Clearly, too. I mean, her, her claim to fame was coming on the podcast, episode 273, when we got to interview her at Ignite 20, 2018. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, no. Career highlight, no. yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah. In all seriousness, I mean, yeah, this was, she's an absolute rock star. This was one that when I saw that she left, I was like, oh, that's going to leave That's going to hit, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen them say anything about who is going to step in and take her role that she had in Azure. But I mean, yeah, that's a like cards on the table. I'm not saying that it's not the case from from Brad Anderson, but definitely for Julia White, that hurts Microsoft. That's going to leave a mark. Yeah, I'm happy for her. I'm happy that she's that she has this opportunity. Wish her the absolute best. SAP definitely got one hell of a rock star in that, and being able to and getting her to come across. We will have to see. She's for those of you who don't know who she is. She was the lady with the very short haircut, the short, jacket. Yeah, the jacket. She's been the one that's been like the MC for the Ignite conference for the last at least the last two years, I think. Maybe even Build as well. But she's been. Oh yeah, it's she's, been, she's got. When you see her picture, you'll be like, if you've watched any of the keynotes from these major Microsoft conferences, you will recognize her. She's got a very distinctive look, I guess. Yeah, I think she's MC most. Or not, maybe not MC, but been a highlight of, or a key player in all the ignites, but even since, even from the first one. And I believe it was even. I think she was instrumental in even getting ignite. She was the ringleader, I suppose, in getting ignite off the ground to begin with. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, interesting backstory about that. We can talk about one day. But she's an absolute rock star. I hope she enjoys her time at SAP and stretches her wings with the CMO role. I think it's great seeing people leave Microsoft like this who've been there a really long time. It's actually quite inspiring to me because it's, I want fresh blood at Microsoft, but I also want them to go experience completely different life outside of Microsoft. Yep. It'll be really good for her and be really good for Microsoft. It'll be really good, well, not initially at least, but it creates opportunities for new blood as well. That's one of the biggest problems at Microsoft is as you're growing in your career, hitting these walls where you just hitting these roofs where there's just no upward trajectory because of people staying in roles above you. And with her leaving, that means there's room for fresh blood to come in, which means that there's a bunch of people able to take that next step in their careers as well. So it'll be interesting to see who who takes that place and and what they do. Yeah, building off that, I mean, that's the there's definitely a lot of other people at Microsoft that I would like to see leave. That sounds really like spiteful, but that's not. I don't mean it in that in that direction. I mean, I would like to see more fresh blood come. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. When Microsoft hired a guy to come in to basically run the identity group, and he came from Google, I saw that move and I was like, "Thank God, somebody from outside Redmond is." Going to come that knows what they're talking about is going to come in and have a fresh perspective on this whole thing. Has he left yet? I don't know, yeah. but I'm just talking about at the time. I haven't really followed. Honestly, that's kind of like one of the disappointments where I was like, I haven't seen much stuff really change since then, which is kind of like to me, like, well, what I was hoping for didn't really happen because there wasn't that change. I'm a firm believer that nobody is irreplaceable, that everybody is replaceable, and that it's a I like new blood. I like new. I like the fresh ideas, and so I think change is good. And it's a, it's an opportunity. Very much like we talked about with political stuff. I look at Julia White leaving, like going, this is an opportunity for somebody to come in and have some fresh ideas and some stuff. Nothing against her, but I mean, it's just like if somebody else came into my house, like going, let's just change the way you guys do some do things around here. Like, you know what? I got my way. Back at Steve Barmer leaving, and who's left? Sort of his henchmen in some ways. Not all in a bad way, but. Many people that weren't loved from the Steve Barmer era, like Kevin Turner, 
Terry Myerson, Robbie Bach. Oh my gosh. All yeah. these names of people that or oh, Ray Ozzie. Oh my God, yeah. There's a bunch of names that are no longer at Microsoft from the Steve Barmer era. And not all in a bad way. Like Robbie Bach started Azure, for example. And sorry, not Robbie Bach, Ray Ozzie was the one that really was instrumental in starting Azure. And Robbie Bach was instrumental in dealing with a lot of Xbox stuff. So there's a lot of good things that have come out of these, but it just feels like a, those years since then have been a breath of fresh air under Sarch's leadership. And there's a bunch of new leadership and the leadership team looks very different now. And so sometimes change is good. Agreed. Change is good. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this news, but Microsoft is teaming up with GM, with this either a company or a division of GM called Cruise. Cruise and General Motors on Tuesday announced they've entered a long-term strategic relationship with Microsoft to help accelerate the commercialization of self-driving vehicles. That is um, very interesting to me. Like, hmm. is this Microsoft and GM and Cruise getting into bed to make cars? Like, Cruise probably has the self-driving tech. GM has the tech about how to build the cars. And Microsoft has the... I don't know. Xbox. (laughs) (laughs) Can put an Xbox in a car. Yeah. No, probably has all of the sort of the tech infrastructure and cloud expertise and all of that sort of stuff to build out what it requires to run a fleet of electric cars and all the infrastructure and all that you need. So it's like, I don't know, is that what they're going to do? I wonder if that's at all related to or inspired from Apple saying that they're getting into the car business. Hmm. Because remember, Apple said that a few months ago, and they're... Oh, was it a few months ago? Yeah, they said a few months ago they were... I don't know if they announced it or if it was like internally it was like kind of announced and like the news kind of leaked or whatever. But the word is, is like 2024 is when we're supposed to see their first car. Is that right? Apple's? Yeah. I have no idea. I think that's what it was. I I think... I. You know what? I think that's... I, it was public. Because that's when Elon Musk even mentioned that he had talked to Tim Cook. And Tim Cook's like, I don't even want to talk to you about this. That's right. Um, this was a few months ago. I want to say it was like October, September-ish. This is interesting because, yeah. And that one was all like Apple was doing everything. And now this is Microsoft teaming up with somebody who does... Who already is involved with a car manufacturer... Getting involved with the car manufacturer that's got a, a bit of a track record. And then also getting in bed with Cruise on this. So this is going to be, it'll be interesting interesting to see where this goes. I was taking a look at Cruise. They've got fully driverless in San Francisco. So they're driving around fully driverless. So they're obviously bringing the the autonomous driving tech. GM are kind of like the... They build cars. They build cars. They're the Luddite of the automotive industry, right? Is that fair to say? They bring credibility to building a car. Yeah. Manufacturing, distribution, service, all that sort of stuff. And then the other interesting thing in this article that I saw was, the quote was, Microsoft is a great addition to the team as we drive towards a future world of zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. So what I suspect, right, is Cruise has all the self-driving tech, GM can build the cars, and Microsoft is going to build the stuff that helps with all sort of the fleet management aspects of it, right? So planning routes and congestion and dealing with collision avoidance and like, you know, sort of above the autonomous driving stuff, but on a slightly bigger picture. I hope that's what they're going to do. I hope it's not some paper partnership that's just for marketing and that's about it. I hope they, I actually hope Microsoft does get involved with building something like this in a deep way. I wonder if the first change that they're going to have is that when you go to the getcruise.com website, 
and you scroll down to the section about careers and it shows work on the challenge of our lifetime, they're probably going to get them, if you look at the screenshot on that lady's laptop, you're probably going to make them switch from, no, that's not Zoom, that's that's Slack. Oh, it is Slack. Yeah, you're right. There you go. That's funny. That's tongue-in-cheek. I'm sure, I'm, I know there's still people at Microsoft that still use Slack, so. Yeah, yeah. I think this is quite interesting. I hope it's more than just a paper-thin partnership and they actually end up building cars together because that'll be pretty cool. That'll be interesting. I'm still disappointed we're not in the Jetsons mode right now with this fleets of autonomous cars driving around delivering me things and and taking me places. Like, that'd be pretty awesome. I will tell you that as somebody who has a car that does the, the self-driving, we have a long way to go. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. But wouldn't it be great? Like, imagine how much bigger your house could be if you didn't need a garage. Think of how many garages there are in the world. I love the idea that Tesla had about like you could just, you almost like lease a car. You're like, I want to go from here to here and a car just shows up and takes you. It's like all driverless. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, or I buy it, I lease it to the network and I get it to pay for itself. Like yeah. that thing keep working. You push a button and you know, like a couple of minutes later, a car shows up. Like it has to be that fast, right? Because you just need to, oh, hey, I just need to whip down into town to pick up something, right? Mm-hmm. I guess the car could bring it to you, but if you actually had to go somewhere, you'd want it pretty quick. But that'd be so cool, like, there's no numpties going 40 on the freeway. Everything's, they're all, everybody's going along the same speed. There's no people that are like, I deserve the left-hand lane. I'm going to go over there and do 55. You know what I mean? Don't you hate those people? I do. I'm trying to train. The self-righteous. This time next week, I'll have a, a licensed driver, another one in the house, and I'm having to do the whole, like, you know, stop cruising in the left-hand lane, dude. Yeah, but it's easier yep. over here. I'm like, Pull I over. get it. And you're going to piss people off behind you. Like, you really think I'm pissing people off behind you? I'm like, going, yep, because I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's not for cruising. It's for passing. He gets it. And you'll really hate it when you want to do some passing and some dude is cruising. Tried to explain <laughs> to him, like, that's not, oh my God, yeah. I wish everybody learned to drive in Europe, in parts of Europe at least. Autobahn? Like in Germany. Well, yeah, that, but also just people are very good about, you want to pass, you go... You go left, and then you pull straight back into the right-hand lane. Boom, boom. It makes for a much smoother smoother driving experience. Cool. All right. Well, that's our roundup of news. Let's dive into some picks. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, AC. Yours look inspirational. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, mine go hand-in-hand. And I'm going to admit, uh, this is, I'm going back to the, a little bit of political stuff here, but if you didn't watch the election yesterday, you may have heard of... The inauguration. Sorry, what did I say? We're not having another Groundhog Day, man. I don't want another oh, election. Oh, I said election. No, I don't soon. want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go through that again right now. If you missed the inauguration yesterday, this is really for our American audience. If you're not an American, you may enjoy this as well. But this was just, it was inspirational, but it was also just like, God, the wisdom in this 22-year-old. There was, what do they call it? A Youth Poet Laureate. Her name is Amanda Gorman. Ah. And she had a five-minute poem that, I don't know if it's got a, t- I don't know what the title of it is, but it's just- The Hill We the Climb. Hill we cl- okay, there we go. The Hill We Climb. It was about America. It was about like who we are and everything. It's about a five-minute video. And when you watch it, you're looking at this like, holy, this for 22 years old, is like, that was impressive. Where does it come from? Yeah, but I mean, she did, and when you read a little bit about it, she did a bunch of research and looking at what other 
major speeches were like and like what other like American leaders' speeches were. And so she did an absolutely fantastic job. I'd highly recommend you go read you go watch it. She definitely stole the show yesterday uh, in terms of the inauguration ceremony. I would also encourage you to go, and that's why I have two links in here because it's the same thing. One is a YouTube video of her giving this, giving reading her poem from the stage. The other one is a link to uh, I found uh, CNN posted the lyrics to the poem. I strongly recommend that you go read as well. Don't just listen to it because when you read it, that's what hit me. I mean, it was like she impressed me like big time watching it, and the words were fantastic. But reading it, man, the wisdom out of, a, out of that 22-year-old mind, that was impressive. So that's my pick for this week. That's awesome. I saw an interview with her on, I think it was on CNN last night, actually, and uh, where they talked to her about it, and it was pretty, she was very interesting, very, very articulate. She also said that she suffers from some speech issues and until very recently could not say the letter R. Oh my God, are you serious? Yeah. And so they were talking about Biden's dealt with speech issues, impediments and things like that. And uh, she has as well. It's slightly different type, but yeah, she talked about not being able to say the letter R. That's fat. When you watch the video, have you, have you got a chance? To, I know that you were out yesterday with the kids, but we've been watching the inauguration ceremonies on uh, the rerun, so to speak, on YouTube with the kids on the couch. And um, yesterday we stopped just before she comes on to do her poem. So today we're going to uh, we're going to finish it. But I've been I've been seeing clips and things like that. Let me know what you think about what your reaction was. I mean, it's a, as a person, she's impressive. Her words were also even more impressive. So it was a uh, it was good. Excellent. How about you? Slightly more down to. Actually, not down to Earth at all. Virgin Orbit flies into orbit. (laughs) There we go. Virgin Orbit has been working on that. We, some of our listeners may not know this, have been working on this rocket that is launched from a flying aircraft, Uh from an aircraft, right? And yesterday, or sorry, January the 18th, I should say, not yesterday, they launched a rocket from their 747 that carries this thing up to 30,000 feet and then it launches it off the bottom and it sort of drops it and then it fires and mm-hmm. flies up into orbit or into space and they made it into orbit. And so Richard Branson has a post here that I'll link to which not only shows some of the footage but talks a little bit about you know its staging and its payload and all that sort of stuff and um, it's got some nice imagery and footage and so we now have another orbit-capable small rocket it's more like Rocket Lab type rocket, not SpaceX type rocket. If that makes sense. This is cool. I hadn't seen the article on Virgin or this this page on Virgin. It's got a, a ton of really good. It's got a lot of pictures and videos on it too. So Richard Branson also, in a very touching tribute, I suppose, he honoured his mother or his mum by saying "For Eve" on the nose cone. Oh, I see that. That's which cool. I thought was quite quite nice. So yes, we have another orbit-capable rocket system, which I think is pretty awesome. This thing looks like a massive missile strapped to the bottom of a 747 or off one of its wings. It's not small. No. You know, it's not like some sort of little pencil. I mean, yeah, it's a decent-sized rocket. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, the diameter of this thing looks like it's a good five, maybe six feet. Something like that, yeah. There's a picture of it up close where it's got uh, hanging under the, um, the plane and you got some of the crew members like walking around getting it set up and looking at that guy that's walking next to it 
it looks like it's probably a good five feet diameter. So it's a it's a pretty damn big rocket. I think that you know the point of taking it up to thirty thousand feet and launching it is the hard part of getting into orbit is not gravity, so to speak. It is air, right? And punching out of the atmosphere. Getting out of the atmosphere is is quite you know the atmosphere is surprisingly thick, and so the higher you go to launch, the thinner it is to start with, and so the easier it is to build up speed and you don't have to punch through all of that air. And so um, they take it up on a plane and launch it from there. That's their uh, view on the way to overcome some of those challenges. Pretty cool. Very cool. All right, AC. Well, it's been a big week. We've uh, talked a bit about the inauguration, a bit about what's going on with leadership changes and windows and some self-driving goodies at Microsoft this week. I hope 2021 is a fantastic year for, I guess, Microsoft and cloud computing and Office 365 and tech in general and it plays a part in helping us overcome what's going on in the world today with the pandemic and things and we have a lot more exciting news to look forward to i hope i'm optimistic i'm optimistic on many fronts on looking forward i feel good me too hopefully this will be the year that we can actually see each other again in person no kidding no kidding (laughs) i've gone now i've almost gone a solid 12 months now without being on a plane. I will tell you, I don't miss it. But I would like to see some people that I usually get to see multiple times a year, including you. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to the time that we were all at an event or a bunch of us were at an event. And everyone's like, you want to go to this party? You want to go to this party? I'm like, I want to go sit in the bar and I want to go get a bourbon and I want to just sit back with some friends. And we don't have to talk, but I just want to just, I just want to sit in a circle and just kind of just Pontificate. put my feet up on the coffee table yeah. and just shoot the ship. Exactly, exactly. All right, we can hope. Yeah. Cheers, man. All right, catch you next week. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. It helps people find out about our show and grow our audience, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com forward slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or MP3 and provide us a link so we can play it on the show. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll get notices of each episode as well as the show notes sent to you directly each week. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.